0: listening to the Hope Church Winter Garden podcast for May 15th, 2016. This is the first week of a brand new series called Supervision. Well, good morning, man. It's good to see you guys today. You look great, and that's half the battle. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, say, you look good. You look good. Turn to your second choice. Say, you look okay. You're just all right. (laughs) Sometimes you got to tell yourself you're doing better than you're doing. You know what I'm saying? You got to remind yourself, hey, welcome to Hope Church. If it's your first time, um, we're really glad that you're here today. And um, I'm just excited that you're here. I kind of wrote down three phrases that I wanted you to write down. You don't have to write them down. You just remember them. If you can bring me down a little bit. I'm a little bit hyped up today. I was kind of a little bit in the back, kind of chilling a little bit, but I got super excited About two seconds before I walked up on stage, because I remembered the fact that I've got a perfect father in heaven. And he's good, and and he loves me. And whatever he says about me is what matters to me. I learned a long time ago, this is a freebie for you, I don't care how old you are. It's very easy to listen to what other people say about you and believe what they say about you. It's very easy. I don't care how old you are, whether you're a three-year-old or whether you're a thirty-year-old or a forty or fifty or sixty. I don't care how old you are. It's very easy to get caught up in what people say about you. But when you listen to the things that we want to share with you guys today, or things that we sing about, we want you to know that you we have a good Father and you're loved by Him. And uh, have you ever been a fight with someone? Have they been mad at you or you don't like them? And you walk up to them and they hug you, and you really wish they weren't hugging you. I think sometimes we think, I think sometimes like that with God. We're like, oh, God, I'm just a bad person. You shouldn't be loving on me. He loves you. If you could be the worst person in this room in here today, which I usually take that position. If you were the worst person in this place today, God loves you still and cares about you still. And so we're glad you're here today. I want you to know this. You're welcomed here. Wherever you came from, if it's your first time, we want you to know you're welcomed here. Not only are you welcomed here, you're actually wanted here. You're wanted here. You've ever been to a place where you're like, I'm not so sure I should be here. Um, I, I've had those moments in life, but you're welcomed, and you're wanted here, and I want you to know that we love you, and we even like you. You're like, I, you don't even know me. I know it works out better that way. Sometimes it's nice for you not to know you, because they can say, like, I love you, and I like you. You're like, if they really knew me, we don't care where you've been at, we're excited about where you're going at, and we love you, and we like you here, and we're just glad that you guys are here today. Hey, would you take your cell phone out and uh, and do would you check in today and let people know that you're at church and let them know. Maybe you want to let them know that hey, uh, there's a there's a church in Winter Garden that wants to that you're wanted at or you, that you're that they they would even like you here. And uh, most of you or a lot of you guys we've got to know you. I got to sit with the, meet with a sweet couple in here today and got to a little bit hear a little bit more about their story and some of you guys I know and Every week there's more people and there's new people. I like to get to know all of you and shake your hand and, and give you a big hug before you leave. But let people know there's a church here that's just sharing Jesus. Um, I, I went to Disney with my friend Fraley this week with our older kids. Uh, my older two and, and, and his my older two and his older three. And um they're like uh they they're like, hey, they, they always say, We're a Jesus church. And they were talking to me about that, like. Where do you find that at, Dad? And like, we just, we're just a Jesus church. And they, they asked their dad, like, hey, what about that church? And he's like, oh, that church, they're non-denominational. What about our church? It's a Jesus church. So we're all about Jesus, and we're about God's word. And um, that's what we're about here today. And so um, we're just glad you guys are here today. Hey, last week, did Diana hit the ball of the park with that sermon on Mother's Day? Come on. Come on. I'd like to take credit for it, you know what I'm saying? But I can't. Uh, she did preach it to me a couple of times. I think she wanted to make sure that it sunk him in the heart. <laughs> she's like, I'm like in the car, and then she's like, you ain't said amen yet. I'm like, That's not the, I don't like that part yet. You know what I'm saying? You have been in a sermon, you don't like that part yet? And uh, so she's like, well, let me preach it to you again until I get some amen. So I heard that sermon, and she did a killer job. And I even listened to it on podcast this week. And if you have a friend, and, um, and they're like, hey, I don't really like church, um, I, I don't care where you've been at. That, that last week's sermon was for everybody. I, I was one of our friends, he's, he's 30 years old, a 30-year-old male, and he says, that wasn't for moms, that was for me. Some of our guys in the tech, in, the, in, the, in our tech booth in the back, they said, man, that was an awesome sermon. That's actually, it was actually better than your stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm a pastor, I'm insecure, don't say that kind of stuff. And so, um, they're like, this is great. So this week I had to step my game up. Um, they, they like notes. Typically I just write down a couple of things and go with it. But anyways, they got me writing notes now. And so, man, she did a killer job. Hey, last week we announced to you guys that we're, um, that we're moving, and um, I'm going to take the next three weeks and kind of unpack that for you guys. They were moving. God's opened up some doors for us to reach more people, and that's what we're about. So we're super excited about that, about our move. And um, what I want to tell you, some of you guys, you have no idea what that's like. You just, you're just on the journey with us. You don't even know You don't even know where we're going, but you want to journey with us. I want to say this to you about our journey. We're going to take a gymnasium and turn it into an auditorium. And so, so I can help you kind of get your mind around that because some of you guys, you need that. You're visual. I don't have visual pictures, I don't have pictures for you today. But let me kind of dream with me a little bit. Okay, we're going to walk into a gymnasium um, in in, in, a, in a few weeks, and we're going to give you the date. We're going to go tonight and kind of check things out and and do some more uh, work and do some layout stuff and schematics so we can kind of make sure that we do a great job with our presentation. One of the things that we want to do at Hope Church is be excellent. And so we're going to go there and we're going to spend time over the next couple of weeks and lay it out perfectly and make sure that it's good. Um, and so we want to make sure that it's just good. So we're going to go into this auditorium, and we're going to put in $10,000 worth of acoustic paneling in this gymnasium. And you're probably thinking, man, that's awesome. And I know this, some of you guys at your church people, you're like, man, this guy's about to lay out this huge astronomical number, and he's going to ask us to be a part of it. And so just hang on. I am going to ask you to be a part of it, but the numbers are so small, it's, it's, going to, it's going to blow your mind when I get to the end of it. We've already raised the money for the acoustic panels that put this to outfit this gymnasium. Can we praise God for that? That's pretty good. That's pretty good and that's how I know God's in this thing. So we got that taken care of. One thing we're so we're going to have that in there uh, when we walk in there it's going to sound great and and we're going to make sure that thing sounds perfect because we just believe that God deserves God deserves our best and so we've got that taken care of and we need we need $4,000 worth of chairs in this place. $4,000 worth of chairs and I was talking to my buddy about that and he said, "You already got it." I said, he, I said, I know I'm going to ask our people to just buy a couple of chairs for their friends. and He said, no, no, I'm going to send you a check for that. That's $40,000 already taken care of, so that's already knocked off the table. Let's give God a hand for that. $4,000, no big deal for God. When you walk into that gymnasium, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a gymnasium. And if we go there right now, we could play pickup ball, and there's lines. And I've coached basketball in the gymnasium, but we're going to cover the gymnasium with, with the flooring. It's, so when you walk in, you're not going to see basketball. Now, we can play basketball after we're done, but there's, gonna be, there's a flooring that's going to be in there. And that flooring that you're going to see in there is that we're going to roll out flooring and cover that gymnasium floor. And that's going to cost about $3,000. And just in case you're wondering, you're like, man, just keep it going. Don't stop. Don't go with the good, bad news yet. We've already got the money to take care of that machine that's gonna, that, that we're going to be able to pull out that. So let's give God a hand for that because that's, that's great news. <clears throat> and some of you guys are like, man, is, it, are we gonna, are we gonna, is he going to get to it or not, man? What is it? Travis is like, is he going to pull the trigger or not? And um, here's our, our, our last thing, and here's where I'm going to let you guys partner in. And God's going to take care of it anyways, but I want you to be, in on, I want you to be involved in the journey. And so you're like, well, you know, what what I got to do? Do I got to give $1,000 do I can give a dollar? I don't care if you give a dime. In our early days of this church, the guys that take care and they count our offerings, there was a person that every single week they would put coins in an offering envelope. And one of the guys came to me and said, you want to know what I know about that person? They're giving all that they got. That's what they're giving because every week they're bringing coins and putting coins in that. And they're and they're, giving, they're giving all that they have. And I want you to know this today. We don't spend a lot of time talking about our, our tithes and our offerings. We believe in tithes and offerings. We don't spend a lot of time with that. We just believe that God wants your heart. And when, if he has your heart, he has all, he has all of you. And so we just want God to have your heart. That's all we want for you. That's all, that's all God wants for me. That's all he wants for the Rodriguez's. That's all he wants for Kelly Price and her awesome son. And that's all he wants for my cousin back there from, from Georgia. God just wants your heart. That's all he wants. He doesn't need your pocketbook. He doesn't need, he doesn't need all the things that you think that God needs. I think we grew up in these churches where God needs all this stuff from me. God just wants your heart. And he actually already paid for it. And so it just kind of makes sense for us to give him what he already paid for. And so he, he wants your heart. And so with, with that being said, one thing that we don't have, you can tell because we're in this space, is that we don't have projection. We don't own projection at this church. And so we, you can imagine, those of you guys that come here, you know if you've ever been here when we break this place down, it's, it's big, and it's and if you walk, if you have kids in our kids space, you guys, you if you've been in church any amount of time, or if you're new, you can tell we put a lot of time, effort, and energy in to making this environment great for people to come here about Jesus because it's the best news ever. I told you guys a few weeks ago we we sent out a, a, a mailer that cost us about five grand, and had a lady call me cussing me out about the mailer. And I think cussing's funny, so I really didn't bother me at all. So she was hammering me, she was crushing me, and uh, and I was just I was taking it like a man. I was trying not to cry, but I, you know, I wanted to, you know, so she's crushing me. Well, this is the nicest mailer I've ever seen. Where do you guys get money for that at? This is, you, you, this is full color. I'm like, for God, we, does, we believe the best. You know what I'm saying? We believe God deserves the best. She's like, well, take me off your mailer. I'm like, ma'am, I love you, but you need to come to our church. I'm going to keep you on that mailing list because you've got to come here about Jesus. No, I didn't say that to her. I thought it, though. But I just said, man, we we're going to continue, and we're going to do we believe the best. We believe that God deserves the best, so we're gonna so we're gonna have two screens and we're gonna have two projectors, and all those things add up to right around nine or ten thousand dollars, and um, so May 29th we're gonna take an offering in this place, and we're gonna we're gonna designate our whole entire Sunday morning offering to this project. We believe ten thousand dollars can come in on that one Sunday because. We've already watched them bring in fifteen grand, and all we did was tell people what God's doing in Winter Garden, and people just jump on board. I sent an email out this morning at five fifteen, while my um, oldest daughter was um, fluids out of both ends. It was awesome, and um, I love parenting, and uh, but I oh, owe my wife because she took care of all of it. And so, um, and and so we just—I sent an email out about five fifteen to this pastor up in the area. And so I just believe that God's going to take care of that, and uh, that's a no—that's that's, I like to call that a no-pressure ask. Um, And so I I have have a a guy told me one time, he said to me, um, and and this is something that he said to me, and it stuck in my mind for a long time, that small things don't work. I mean, small things work, and big things work. Medium things never work. And I was like, and it's been something that's in my head. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I I love business. I love to see God work things out, and I love to use my gifting and my talents to be used by God. But that burned in my mind. It's burned in my mind the whole entire day. And I was reminded of this morning that little things work. And, and, and big things work, middle, middle things typically to go back and forth. And we just believe that this is, we believe that God's a big thing. We just believe that, okay? I hope I'm not taking that out of context. We just believe God's a big thing. And so we believe our message is the most positive message that should be out there all throughout the week. and um, And we believe in life change here. And so... We just want you to know that God's taking care of it. I want to let you guys know, you guys are great givers at this church, by the way. Like, I don't know if you knew that about yourself, but we're doing great. Well, I talked to all my friends that are church-playing experts. Some of these guys are the fastest-growing churches in the state and even in America. They said, what are you offering? They said, your people are getting generosity. And we say this every single week, that we, God's called us to be generous because he himself was the example of generosity. I mean, who gives his entire—I'm not going to give my kid to you, any of you guys. I mean, if he's sick, I'll let you hold him. I'm not going to let him have You're not going to have him. But I, we just believe that God's, just, God's putting us around some, gener- God just brought some generous people into this environment. So we're going to continue to do what God's called us to do. And uh, we want to let you guys know that because of your generosity thus far, we're going to be able to de- take a whole entire Sunday. Most churches, they need every single offering, and we're not going to make it if we don't have it. But God's blessed this church. We're going to take one whole Sunday, and we're going to do it. So May 29th, um, that's going to be our vision offering Cool? Is that good? Everybody just nod your head. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> it's always great to have your mom in the audience, because she can start a clap for you, you know what I'm saying? And um, so, man, we're glad. Uh, um, we're glad. We're, we're going to, we're changing a city, by the way, in case you're new and you're trying to figure out what's going on here. We're just helping some other churches that have already gone the way. Uh, 50 churches, there's been 50 churches like ours start up in the last 10 years, and 45 of them have closed down. And so we ought to, We know that there are people here. They they don't know it, but they want they want and need Jesus. Everybody wants and needs Jesus. They may not want him, but everybody needs Jesus. And so we want to let them. We want to introduce them to him. We want to introduce them. My friend Michelle introduced me to, to my friend. My friend Michelle introduced me to my friend Landon, and Landon introduced me to his girlfriend Caitlin. And I. Everybody needs an introduction. Everyone needs an introduction. You're not. I don't know anything about. I don't know why. I I know why Michelle introduced me to him. I know why why God works a lot, but everyone just needs an introduction. And it's our job as humans for us to introduce people to Jesus. That's what God put us here for. And so we're just going to do that. And that's what our church is about, okay? So, hey, Nehemiah, that's where we're going to be at over the next few, the next three weeks. Nehemiah is my favorite Old Testament book in the Bible, Nehemiah. It's a great book. It's a great story. You can go ahead. We've only got three weeks. Go ahead and read the whole thing. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. If you're a leader in here today, every leader ought to read Nehemiah because the guy could build a team, and the guy can handle He could get business done. He could get stuff done. GSD, get stuff done. You may call it something different, but he could get stuff done. The guy knew what he was doing. God used him in a great way, and I believe in this room in here today, in case you're trying to figure out where you fit us, I believe there's some Nehemiahs in this room in here today. I'm speaking of somebody's potential. Today. There's some Nehemiahs in this room in here today. And you don't even know it yet. And if you're a girl in here today, you like, oh, you left us out. My wife preached last week. I'm not leaving you out. You can be a girl and be a Nehemiah, okay? You just got to change it to like a girl name, you know, call it whatever you want. But I believe there's some people in here today that God's going to use in a mighty way in this city and in the context that you live in all across this community. And I was talking to this couple here today. I said, we got people coming from all over Orlando. It makes no sense to me why people are coming this far. Fifty minutes. Leesburg. Castleberry, Lake Nona, I, I mean, it just makes, it May Avalon Park, I mean, it, we're all over, Claire, up in Claremont, which is like another planet, it seems like, it's so far, um, but people are coming all around here, and they're not coming because of a person, they're coming, they're coming because of a person, but that person's name is Jesus, and so, um, so anyways, let's get into this, um, our, our text, I'm not gonna read it yet, just hang tight, we just believe that God's gonna do something, and so we believe that God's got to there's got to be vision for us to accomplish what God's called us to do. There's got to be vision for us to accomplish what God calls to, do. and we get that from the Bible. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs chapter twenty nine, verse eighteen: where there is no vision, that people actually go, they die. Where there is no vision, I I was telling this couple today, and I'm going to quit talking about them eventually, but I'm not a systems guy. You guys know that about me. The things that work well in our church, that are running at a high level, and they're running excellent, and we're executing well, you can just rest assured I'm not involved in any of those areas. (laughs) You don't want me involved in those areas. Everyone, we have people and great volunteers. We have an amazing dream team. We don't like to use the word volunteer. We have this amazing dream team because they are introducing people to the dream that God has for their life. And so we have people all across this All across this building right now, helping this thing come together, and that's our dream team. We have an amazing unit, and people are just fitting in their part of the system, and they're making things happen in the space that they work out. My space happens to typically be away from all of the systems. Because typically people either help systems work really well, or they break them. (laughs) And I'm a system breaker. And so they don't even let me touch anything that's of any importance. My wife's like, you don't need the password to that. I'm like, what if I want to look at it? We don't want you to look at it. Stay away from it. And so um, we believe that where there is no vision, the people perish. I also wrote down this for our definition of vision over the next couple of weeks. Vision is seeing the way things are and then being able to see the way things could be. And that's a lot of C's, and I'm probably reading it different than the way it is on the screen. But vision is seeing the way things are, but also being able to see the way things could be. And that's what Nehemiah did. Helen Keller said this. I think that phrase will be up there on there. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but having no vision. And that's something from a lady who had no sight but she had vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but having no vision. Nehemiah was a guy who had vision. And the only way for you to get vision, we're not even, this is like a pre-message, the only way for you to get vision is to spend time with the, with the creator of vision. That's the only way to do it. So you're like, man, I want a vision for my life. I want to have a plan for my life. If you want a plan for your life, why don't you go and spend time with the creator of the universe who wants to set you in motion? You ought to Google this this week. Um, don't do it right now. I'm like totally pro phones in church. I'm for them, but if you do it now, it would be really, really weird. But you ought to Google. It's leaving my brain. Steve Harvey and jump. Steve Harvey and jump. And some of you guys are thinking, wasn't that the guy in Kings of Comedy? <laughs> yes, it was. But he has this inspirational video. You have you seen it yet? It's amazing, right? I, you're all about this guy's inspiration, so it'll it will encourage you and it will inspire you and. It was five minutes, and I don't believe in five-minute videos in church. So um, I want you to go and watch it on YouTube. And um, if you don't have, you know what YouTube is, ask your kids. They'll explain it to you. It's awesome. They have all these videos on the Internet. You're going to love it. And so um, it's called Jump. Anyway, Steve Harvey does uh, this, this whole thing. It's all about jumping and being what God has called you to be. And that's all we want for you. See, it's kind of weird because you come to church and and maybe you're from the background you're like, okay, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And we don't really want anything from you. We want a lot of stuff for you. We told you guys a long time ago that God said that I've come to give you. Satan says I've come to kill you, and steal from you, and destroy you. But Jesus says I've come to give you life, and I've come to give you an abundant life. And so that's what we believe as church. We believe that God wants to bless you way beyond what you're, way beyond what you can even comprehend. God wants you to live the. blessed, We talked about the series called the Blessed Life. I had a friend who said to me, You talked about generosity and blessing. I said, Yeah, I want God to bless our people. I want God to bless you. I want him to bless your family. 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 I want him to bless the heck out of you guys. If that means buying the boat, buy the boat. I want God to bless you. I want that. You want God to bless you. I want God to bless you. And so God and God wants to bless you. He's the giver of the gifts. He wants to bless you. And so We just believe that when you have vision and you're following God's plan for your life, the blessings typically fall. So we want to make sure that you have clear vision. We want to make sure you know we're going as a group of people. This isn't about hope, church. This is about God's kingdom. This isn't this isn't me. You know it's not me because you know me. It ain't about me. This is about what God and what God is doing alone. And we just get out of the way and we just we just let God do his thing and we kind of just tag along. We're like the annoying little brother, but God loves us and he cares for us. So we just kind of follow along, we go part of his plan. We, his system is working. We just partner with his system. And so his system is to see the whole world saved. You know this. We've said this from day one 85% of churches are in plateau or decline, they're closing their doors down. It's a good chance you pass a church this week that may be closed next week. There's only one church for every thousand people in America. And so we want to reach the city for Christ. How many churches does that mean, Wes? Does that mean five churches? Does that mean 10 churches? Does that mean 10, 20 churches? I don't know, but we're going, to keep on, we're going to keep on starting churches because we're going to keep on building God's kingdom. And that's what this is all about. This whole series of the next week is about God's kingdom. So if you want to be a part of building God's kingdom, Matthew 6.33 actually says, one of the first verses I, I, I've, memorized, or I've memorized, but it says, Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these riches will be added unto you. It's all about seeking God's kingdom first. And that's what we're about. And we're just going to do that until Jesus comes back. And so, um, Nehemiah chapter 1. And I'm going to read the Bible. You're like, how can you be a Bible church if you don't read the Bible? Here it is. And you can read the Bible at home too. It'll be awesome. And if you don't have a Bible today, we want to give you one. See my sweet sister in the orange room, and she will give you a Bible. Nehemiah chapter 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. This is the story of Nehemiah. This is his life. And any and every, every, any and every great leader ought to read this book. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hananiah, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I had asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were actually going in Jerusalem. Now, Drew's, this is where he's from. Nehemiah is from Jerusalem, and, over, and because of captivity, um, we, we, we spent a lot of time last week talking about Daniel and his, and his friends. Daniel and his friends, they were under a king called King Nebuchadnezzar, for all you history people, and King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he destroyed the walls of Jerusalem, and, so, and they were beat up, and they were, just, they, were, they were beat down, and so Nehemiah says, hey guys, how are things in Jerusalem? How's it going back there? And they said, I'm glad you asked. Let me, tell you what, let me tell you what had happened. They said to me, things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, they are in great trouble and disgrace. So the children of Israel, they were in exile and they were, they were taken in captivity. And then they went back to their walls. They went back to Jerusalem, where they were from. And he said, man, they're in, the people are in trouble Nehemiah. You're not doing good. In modern day translation, there's more people. At Walmart than there are in church on Sunday morning. It's just not going good. The marriages are screwed up. The relationships are screwed up. They're in financial distraught. Everybody's upside down. Everybody's everybody's upside down or they're overspent. It's just not going good, man. Uh, Adoption rate is is at an all-time low. Kids are homeless. Uh, uh, homelessness in, in, in the community, it's at an all-time low. It's just not going, it's just not going good. I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but when you think of not going good, it's not going good. It's just not going good is, is, is English for not going good. It's just not going good. It's like having the worst day in the world, but having it every day. And every day. And every day. It's just not going good. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. It said, man, it's just, it got worse. If you remember, it it got worse. And, and Jerusalem, for those of you guys that are trying to get your mind wrapped around this wall, if you, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to you. That's why I'm going to explain to you for a little bit. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense to me. We're, we're protected by a wall today. And, and we have off-duty officers out there. We're, we're protected here. That's kind of, it's kind of the theme. You guys say, we, we, we're, we're protected here today. That's kind of the, that was their system. There, uh, a few years ago, a guy walked into a church and, and, and took out a gun, and he shot the, the shot towards the pastor, and it hit the Bible, and the, and the, and the Bible looked like, confetti, like a confetti can. And the people thought the pastor was, he must have been similar to me, a jokester, and out of control. The people thought it was just a practical joke until they realized, oh, this, there's someone in the back with a, with a gun. And so for them, they, they, the wall was everything for people back then. It kept the bad guys out. Kept the good guys in. The wall, Not only that, for, for the people that were sick and the disease, when they died in there, they didn't keep that smell in there. They took the dead people outside the walls. The walls were, the walls were everything. It Protection. It was where they worshipped God at. The walls were everything. The walls are super, 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 super important. Without the walls, they can't really function that well. If bad guys came, they had to close the gates. The wall was essential for them, but the wall was gone, and it was even destroyed by fire. Verse 4, but when he heard this, he sat down, he cried. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, I prayed to the Lord God of heaven. Then I said, oh Lord, here's this prayer, okay? Check this. Just a good for you, if you ever get to a place where you're in a hot situation, and you're like, I need a good prayer, about, I don't know how to pray yet, because I just got saved. I'm only one of the 51 people that got saved in the last seven months. You're like, what do I pray? This, is, this, is, this may work for you. It may not work for you. It's about your heart. But listen to his prayer. Oh, God, it's a good place to start. You know what I'm saying? Usually you say that when you're in trouble. You're like, oh, man, my wife's going to find out. Oh, God. <laughs> you're a high school kid in here today, and you get a grade that's not so good. You're like, oh, God, if you're up there, have your way, God. He says, oh, God of heaven. He recognizes where God was at in his life. He was the creator of the universe. It's a great place for us to leave God at too. Sometimes we try to bring him down here to earth, and it's just better for him to be up there for us to admire and worship. You're great and you're awesome. You're perfect in all your ways. You, 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 God, you, you keep your, the covenant of your unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer, God. So he kind of puts him where he belongs, which is the creator of the universe. And he says, listen to my prayer, God. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people of Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family have sinned against you, which is why... God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to go in and take over that city. God allowed that to happen. We looked at that in, in, in Daniel last, last month. God allowed chaos to happen. He allowed turmoil to happen. He goes, we've sinned against you. It was our fault, God. Even my own family, uh, we've sinned. We have sinned terribly. Like, he's just pouring out God. I think God gets it. Like, when you say you're a sinner, God knows. <laughs> we've sinned terribly, but not obeying the commands, the decrees, and the regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. He said, man, I, this is all coming true. You told, you told Moses this, God, and we're living it out. We're living out this chaotic mess that we got ourselves in. We don't, and that's hard for us because we don't like to live in our mess, right? That makes sense. And he says here, we just, this is just messy. And, and we, we deserved it, God. And it's just not going the way it's supposed to go. And he says to him, I will bring you back to the pl-. He says, I'm sorry, if you, are, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scout you among nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. He reminds God, hey, God, remember what you said. You said if we get our act together, you'll take good care of us. You'll bring us back to the place of worship. You'll bring us back to the place of intimacy with you. If we get our act together. And, and I want to say this to you today, because I love you, and you know I love you. I, I don't, most of you know I love you. And whether you don't know I love you or not, I love you. Did you did you know this? is saying, God, I'm just screwed up. And can I tell you something today? One out of one people in this room can relate with screwed up. Because that's all of us. And God, and he says here, God, you said that you would make this all work out and we could we could, you could connect us all back to Jesus. And I want you to know, I don't care where you've been. We say this every week. It is, it's not about where you've been, it's about where you're going. God loves you still. God loves you still. What about this, Wes? God loves you still. What if I said that, Wes? God lo- what if I went there? God loves you still. Wes, what if I'm the furthest away from God I've ever been? God still loves you. Isn't it something to know that the fact that the Bible says that God doesn't leave you nor forsake you, but you haven't talked to God in a long time? How does that even make sense? You want me to show you how it makes sense? You walk away from God. You want to know where God is when you're walking away from him? Behind you. He's just following you. And t- to blow your mind up a little bit more, he's omnipresent. Which is church for he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's, he's walking with you. When I'm doing, I shouldn't be doing west. He's right there with you. When I'm serving him west, he's right there with you. When I'm the first away from him I've ever been... He's right there with you. You don't sense him. He's right behind you. Have you ever noticed this when you're like, all right, God, I'm done screwing up. I'm going to follow you now. Do you know what you do when you do that? You turn around. Do you know who always is the first person right behind you when you turn around from your mistake? That stinking God again. Where, where have you been at? He's like, i just been right behind you the whole time. That way I knew you were going to turn around. So whenever you turn around, here I am. Getting here for the real thing. Hugs him. Gives you out of boy and says, all right, get going. <laughs> He's just always there. He doesn't even care. When you sinned, or when, when, God died for all, when God died for all of your sins, all of your sins were future sins. Does that compute to you? Because he died thousands of years ago. You weren't around. Most of you guys weren't around thousands of years ago. Unless you believe in coming back from a different form, which that's up to you. <laughs> he, he just, all of your sins were future sins. So when he died for you, he knew all of your sin progression. And he loves you still. And this story says, that I've just, God, you said that when we turn back around that you would be there, and God's like, okay. He says, please remember what you told your servant Moses. Now, verse 10. The people you rescue by your great power and your strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. In those days, Nehemiah's job description, probably one of the cruddiest jobs you possibly could have, is the cupbearer are like, oh, he washes dishes. No, he doesn't wash dishes. That would have been an upgrade from what his job was. His job was to taste the wine before the king tasted it. A.K.A., if you kill the king, then you, the whole the whole place falls apart. And so they would give the king, they would try to slip wine in to the king that was poison. So every glass of wine, every glass of wine that Nehemiah took could have been his last glass of wine. Could you imagine that? <laughs> Come on, laugh. You know exactly what I'm saying. That would be, if every time you were, uh, okay, we're in church. Let's play church. Could you imagine if every time you took a sip of Coca-Cola, because apparently none of you guys drink wine. You took a sip of Coca-Cola, every time you touch Coca-Cola, you are like, oh, this could be my last glass of Coca-Cola. That would be weird, right? My wife, I love her. She's, she's awesome. Um, and she's 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 awesome she won't drink it's weird my if my kids put their lips on her straw, she doesn't want it no more and i 'm like hun you, you you have poop on your nails from just washing their diaper like how, it's a little bit of sly are you are you are you sticking kidding me like they're, it's like you're not going to die from their slime. I, I had a first yesterday. Like, I don't even like my kids' boogers. And, and I was with, my, I was with my, uh, my, my niece, Nora, the other day. And I, for some reason, something came to me. Just, she had a booger on her. Something possessed me to grab some other kid's booger off their nose. That's when you know you got four kids and you've lost your stinking mind. I don't know if I thought it happened after six kids, Mom. But apparently after four, you lose your mind. <laughs> I just reached out and like, I got that booger for you. And Giselle was like, I, wasn't, I was going to get a napkin because I don't even touch my own daughter's snot. I don't know why I was telling you guys that. <laughs> the point is this. Ah, uh, crap. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah, thank you. Coca-Cola. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, my wife's awesome. Yeah, that's all there is. Let's pray. Um, <clears throat> hey, let me, give you, let me give you a couple things about Nehemiah. Nehemiah saw the way things are. And, and I, you, you guys live here. This is your community. And, and there's, I, again, I said this, there's more people than when, there's more people in Walmart right now than there are in churches. And, and there's a God who desperately loves them and cares for them, and he wants to have a relationship with them. Nehemiah saw that wall, and it says that he started crying. Hey, as a church, we got to get our, we got to get our minds and our hearts around people. That's our big deal. Like, God's a big deal we got to get our mind and our actions around loving people. We've got to do that as a church. And not even as a church. I'm a, I, again, I, I could care less about Hope Church, the name. I could care less about that. I care about building God's kingdom. And we're all the church. Whether this is your first time or your last time, if you're a believer, you're the church. Every church in this city that preaches the gospel, that preaches God loves you, he died for you, has a plan for you. Everybody who preaches that sermon, and, and the, uh, every church, we're, the, we're all the churches. The church that's right there. Literally right there, that, that's not our enemy. Some of you guys grew up in church like that. That's not our enemy. We're doing it different than they are. They're reaching people that we're not going to reach. And the church, when you go around the corner, there's three churches within a, within a baseball's throw. Not my throw, some of you guys' throw. But, like, it's just, it's close by. They're not our enemies. I, Beulah Baptist, I love them. One of their pastors came and visited our church a few months ago. I don't, that's not our enemy. They look nothing like us. They're not reaching the same kind of people we are. Those are our enemy. We, as a community, as a believers, whether this again, w- when you go to your neighborhood, we got to get our eyes and our mind around people. And Nehemiah cried because he loved people. There was a day in my life where I would go to missions conferences with my wife, and I would sit in the back in college, and I would see all these girls crying when they show those pictures of those kids that were in, in, in different countries over there. And I'm like, how come I don't care about those people that are dying and going to hell? They're starving, or they have disease. How come I don't care about them? You know what I had to do? There was a day where I woke up and I had to say, God, I need you to help me. To I need you to break my heart for people. And so if all you do is care about yourself, which is our default position, we wake up, you'll wake up tomorrow caring about yourself. You you will. That's just, you're like, I never thought about that before. Well, you don't have to think about it. It's just, we're sinners. I'm going to wake up tomorrow thinking about myself. When we get out of church, I'm going to think about where I want to take, if I'm going to take a nap, because I care about myself. I'm going to let Diana stay up with the kids and run around. I want to take a nap. Our default position, so we got to get our eyes around lost people. People, All people. we got to get our eyes around all people. And here's the second thing. Uh, Nehemiah saw the way things are, but this is the second thing Nehemiah did. Nehemiah saw the way things could be. Nehemiah saw the way things could be. Nehemiah thought to himself, I could go help them. Did you know this? Nehemiah was hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem. Nehemiah had a good paying job. Typically, uh, I think that's what, what you guys in the fire department call hazard pay, right? <laughs> like, he, he had hazard pay. Like the guy was doing well. He had a good home. He was fine where he was at. Can't we relate with that? Things are good where you live at. Things are good where you're going to vacation at. Things are good in your car. Things are things are good. That was, was that was where Nehemiah was at. But Nehemiah's like, things could be different there, ne- and th- things could be different there in Jerusalem. Hey, for 70 years, the walls were falling down. They were just crumbling. Without repairs, nothing's going to last 70 years, including our bodies. 70 years, it just, and Nehemiah said, what if it could be different? What what if it could be different? What if we could rebuild those walls? Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the dream, the teamwork's, Teamwork makes the dream work. Next week, Nehemiah built that wall in 53 days. It, it took 70 years to fall down. It took them 53 days. What if it could be different? What if it could be different? I don't know if you know the story or not of um, the, the band. You can come up. Um, I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick. I don't know if you know the story of, of Apple computers, um, but in 1983, I was one years old. You guys hate when I do that, don't you? You're like, I was finishing high school the first time. You know, like, I was getting my master's degree. Um, <clears throat> Steve Jobs had a, had, a, had a vision. You know what his vision was? It, it, and a lot of you guys are like, it's going it's to blow our minds because we we work off this computer now. It's it's a little th- two-inch by five-inch screen. I mean, that's, that's a computer. This is a computer right here, right? We all agree with that. But there was a day in 1983 where computers took up a whole entire Buildings. Some of you older people are like, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Tell us. Tell these kids they got. Steve Jobs had this dream of taking that big room and putting a computer on, on a desktop. Getting that big room into a piece of machine so that it could fit into a building. Not only could it fit in a building, it could fit in one room. Not only could it fit in one room, it could fit in one stinking desk, Steve Jobs, 1983. So you know what he did? He knew that if he was going to do that, he had to market it well. And you do it, anybody, if you have a vision, you're going to market it well, aren't you? If you've got a company, if you have a dream, if you've got a vision, you're going you're to, that's, it's your livelihood. You're going to wake up and go do that. So you know what he did? He got in an airplane, he flew to New York, I think, yeah. He got to New York and he walked into the Pepsi headquarters, Illustration number two. He walked into there and, and he walked into the door and got to the first door and got to the second door. He got in the elevator, went to the very top of the room and walked into the receptionist and walked past her and walked into the room. And on the the room that he walked into was the was the PR, the advertising guy in charge of Pepsi Cola Company in 1983. And he's in that in that room and see I was in that room. He's thinking, Oh, man, this guy is big time. This guy has shares. This guy has millions of dollars. I mean, this guy is loaded. He, corner office. I mean, he's living. The, he's living. What we think is the dream. Steve Jobs says to him, "Hey man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna change the stinking world." The guy says to him, "What do you got?" He says, "I'm gonna take him a computer. And I'm gonna put it on a desk. We're gonna call it a desktop computer." and it's going to change the world. He says, and so Pep, the guy from Pepsi said, that's awesome. Dude, good luck. What do you need? What, what, what can I do to help you? He says, I I want you to come help me. And he said, man, look at this. You, I, I have everything, bro. I'm good. Why would you, when you have everything, how do you go from everything, what do you, when you have everything, where do you go to, right? Some of you guys like, I don't know yet. I'm still trying to get everything. But like, where do you go when you have everything? By the way, if you got Jesus, you got all you need. Anyway, side message. He's like, where do you go? What do you do, bro? Oh, they didn't use bro that much back then. Where do, you, where do you go? He says, you'd have to pay me. He said, Steve, you'd have to pay me millions of dollars. I mean, I've, my, my 401K is maxed out. If you can imagine that. That's pretty good one. You max it. He goes, I'm, I don't need anything else. I, I can retire tomorrow, but I'm not. I'm just going to make more money. And Steve Jobs says something to him that it, it burned my mind when I heard it and I, and I wrote it down, but he says to me, he says, Steve says a guy, he goes, do you really want to spend the rest of your life selling flavored water, or do you want to change the world? And I was like, can I ask you that same question today? We've got the best news in the world. Hey, friends, we're going to change the world. I don't know if ten of you guys are going to help me. I don't know if thirty are going to help me. All I know is I got my wife, and I have all these guys. They're in. They're going to help me, and because it, it's not a they don't. I've, I've known all these guys for some of them for a week, some of them for years. I'm nobody, but they know the somebody that I'm following, and his name is Jesus. And so my question for you is: Are you going to go? Do, do you want to go with us? Do you want to? Do you want to be part of something bigger than yourself? I mean, I, I'm a, don't, you don't have to get a Hope Church tattoo. And if you want to, that's fine, but you don't have to. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't I should have said that out loud. Here's the deal, we want you to go with us. If you want to go with us, it's going to be awesome. You know what's going to happen? We're going to see a lot of people meet Jesus. You know what we've done a lot of? Weddings. As a, as a young pastor, I'm going to do his in August, and I'm going to do Dustin and Cynthia's in July. But you know what, You know what's going to come a day? There's going to come a day in this church where we're going to start doing funerals. We are. And you know what? They're going to be awesome. You want to know why? Because the people that we're going to stand in front of, we're going to know that they have a relationship with Jesus. They have a relationship with Jesus. And we're going to say, this friend here, they know Jesus. And uh, you can have an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus too. Do, do you want one? And it's gonna be some of your friends in that in that funeral. Hey, come with us. Come, come, come on God's team. Be a part of what God's doing. Let's not push our own agenda. Our agenda when we die, our agenda is over. Let's push God. We, we if we build God's kingdom, we can die, and God's kingdom can keep on going. But if we push our agenda, my friend, we're gonna die. We're gonna have nothing. We don't even get to take the clothes that we own with us, which I'm having a hard time with. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I wonder if you're in here today, if you would say, Wes, I don't even...